greatest show on the internet, the best podcast to ever be in your earballs. This is the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast, and I am your esteemed host, Kenny Oak. Joined with, as always, by my esteemed colleague and the one and only, uh, Christopher J. Harris. That's me. Yeah. I've, I've been drinking, so I just threw that middle initial in there. Uh, it did stick. <laughs> but we have come to the end of 2019, which means we have also come to the end of this decade. And what a decade it has been in the world of professional wrestling. And that is something that we are going to talk very intimately about tonight. And that is the decade that was 2010 through to the 2020. Bubs, what a tremendous decade. What are some of your general thoughts on it before we go any deeper ah that that is interesting and as great as I, i'm making it out to be there were some up and downs there was some bad wrestling there was some poorly managed <laughs> businesses there was some okay. there was some new developed groundbreaking businesses that are continuing to flourish day by day week by week on wednesdays and Flourishing's a big word, but okay. It is. We'll, we'll get there. Um, I was out of the wrestling business at the beginning of this. Uh, yes, let's get into our decade <sighs> that was, I was. Because both of us were not into wrestling at the beginning of this decade. Well, we had fallen out of love yeah, with wrestling. The end of the, te- uh, the, the early, two, the late 2000s. Let me get my verbiage correct. I was not a, a watcher. After 2007, 2008 is when I stepped away. Um, and honestly, wrestling brought us together. It did. And then we brought each other back into wrestling. Ugh. And now we host a wrestling podcast, and that all took place in, within this decade. You're right. So that's part of the ups and downs of this flourishing company that, that you and I what? Uh, no, uh, hold on. are pushing. <laughs> Never call us flourishing. <laughs> Slow burning still, whatever yeah. verbiage you want to use. I burning is the is what I would like to go well, with. We, we've had a very good positive push here the last couple of weeks with things going our way. So yes. the new decade seems to be a little brighter than our last, at least on paper. So we're gonna Or see. is this our last decade? Well no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just run this thing until it's well into the ground. Oh, it's well below ground. Anyway. Bubs, we are 2000 and late 2000, early 2001 WCW. Is how <laughs> I like to see this. <laughs> Why? Why specifically that? Like, give Well, me... because there was still some... You still had Booker T and Scott Steiner. A lot Steiner. of talent there. A lot of talent. Uh, you had Sugar Shane Helms. Okay. Big fan of him. Yep. That's our Steve. <laughs> He's not... No, no! Don't yeah, you dare! So don't much you better. dare compare Sugar Shane to anybody uh, negative. I don't give a fuck. I guess that'd be Vince Russo. Then. Vince Russo could be. It's <laughs> very Steve related. We are not that version of WCW. We are better than that. We are. We are a one. We, we are a t-shirt okay, company. 2011 TNA. Eleven. Some 
Vince Russo was deep in there. Okay. At that point. A lot of talent still. Uh, T- that well, TNA's always had a lot of talent. Uh, that was never the issue. Currently on my television via um, Pluto Kenneth, TV. A, a Kenneth Oakland free plug for Pluto yes. TV, which I received from from him, and I did not know that they had a TNA channel, and it's... I was literally scrolling through the internet and saw mention of a TNA-only television channel on Pluto. So I, of course, had to look that up. Yeah. And what do you know? There is all the TNA that you could ever want 24 hours a day, seven days a week, non-stop. TNA for me. It's but not enough TNA. I just saw the Motor City Machine Guns do the coup de gras and slice bread number two to Magnus. <laughs> so, so this is good shit that's on my TV. That is good. Yeah. And some I see you're very distracted, set. so that's, I, it that's always move. good. It was the move set. Bob, a lot of good shit happened in the decade. Yes, what a decade for us. Stuff. I'm excited about it. We're doing this episode so we can kind of live with a bit of nostalgia and talk about what we liked, what we hated, what's going to be a memory so, forever. Long and, decade. And there's a lot that's happened, but there are there's gaps other of... decades I'd rather talk about than yeah. this one. Yeah, but there were some really good things that took place. Ninety is a, is the most interesting decade because of how two thousands the most interesting is decade. It? Okay, so you're right. As far as the overall, you know, idea of wrestling as we know it, the nineties was very interesting, but. A lot of good stuff was happening in the 2000s, and the Monday Night War was coming to its end, and WCW was doing some really weird stuff. ECW was still around for a little bit, and then WWE went through some weird transitions. New Japan was trying to uh, make an MMA style of wrestling and would throw their wrestlers into legit mixed martial arts fights where they would get their heads knocked off by legit fighters like Vanderlei Silva and Mirko Krokop. Bad excursion for them. Yeah. But luckily we had this decade where New Japan took a whole bunch of leaps forward. But we'll get to that. Can we be 1995 WWF and just be full of gimmicks? And like I'm, but you refuse to do gimmicks. I'm the boogeyman. The, the booger, no. I'm the booger man. Booger Bastion. Booger. Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. you're the dumpster. Um, Drozzy. Um, Was that what his name? Drozzy. Drozzy. Yes. Or I could be the goon. I like hockey. We can. I'm wearing a Dallas Stars sweatshirt right now. Play that one as you will, Bubs. Let's get into the decade though. You're right. Go Tigers. Some things. Yes. GX. Yes. LSU. Gaux Tigers, Bubs. GX. Yes. I would love to start us off by talking about what I think the biggest storyline of the entire decade was the rise, the ascension, I think is a better word, of women's wrestling. Uh, the women's revolution that took place and we're still seeing the effects of. Because at the beginning of this decade, we had Divas. We had Kelly Kelly, Melina, women like that that were basically just used as eye candy. Their matches lasted maybe... uh, 
two minutes at the most. If they gave him a lot of time, it was like three minutes. <laughs> it's a long minute. <laughs> it, it is. Or they were just they were cut completely from the show, like they were in WrestleMania 29. Okay. You know, as as the as they were making their way to the ring, they were told, "Hey, your match got cut," because they were expendable. Cut to WrestleMania 35, and not only are they no longer expendable, but they have their own Royal Rumble match, and they're main eventing the biggest show of the year for WWE. So, Bubs, let's talk about the decade that was for women's wrestling. A lot of stars come to mind. I'm thinking of a lot, okay. of, a lot of individuals, right? I mean, Becky Lynch is the, is the obvious one right now. If we talk oh. about current, we can go back. You can talk about okay. the Glamazon. You can Victoria. The Bellas. The Bellas. Yeah. They're going to be in the Hall of Fame this year. Um, there's a lot that is – I mean, it's all changed. That is a, a wrestling dynamic and a, like an image that has actually changed in the decade. A lot of things really – haven't changed in wrestling. Storylines have like PGs Santina, and less, less PGs. Santina. She won the uh, women's battle royal at WrestleMania twenty something or another. Twenty six or something. I don't want you to know that off the top of your head. It's not. I love anything Santino Morella does. The information, but uh, that that's completely changed. You look at what we have right now versus what two thousand ten looked like and. You can arguably say that Tessa Blanchard is a top wrestler in the world because of maybe not her technical ability, but everything else that she does in the ring is believable. Same thing went, you can say the same thing about Charlotte if you're not a hater of her, depending on which year you like. You shouldn't, no one should be a hater no. of Charlotte. But you take some of these top talents and you, you realize that this wouldn't have happened if this was six, seven, eight years ago. So I think exactly. it's changed. It's, it's all changed and I love it. Oh, it absolutely has changed, and that's the whole crux of why it's called a revolution. Because when a revolution happens, things change. Everything changes. Uh, I mean, we have women now that are thought of as equal to men. Going, You know, you brought up Tessa Blanchard. She's out there challenging for a world title mm-hmm. against the boys. You know, you've got the women in WWE main eventing WrestleMania. Main eventing multiple pay-per-views. Yeah. Um, the Royal Rumble thing it, is a big thing as well. You, you, you'd mentioned it, but like that's a huge thing that's never really... They've had battle battles <clears throat> in the past, right? And they've mostly been nonsensical things. But for it to happen last year... Uh, two years. Two years ago. Yeah. Right? Because I'm thinking of Becky. Because Asuka won the first one, and yeah. then so Becky. Asuka, Asuka winning that the same year Shinsuke did was... And that's a big deal in and of itself, to have a foreign female yeah. win, because... Who was Vince the dominant female at the time yes. as well. Vince, Vince didn't even want to push Gail Kim back in the day because she was Asian. Mistakes. And it, you know, that kind of hypocrisy, that kind of uh, bigotry is really not accepted anymore, and that's something that can be attributed to, to this decade yeah. of revolution and change happening. Um, but I, I like that you brought up Oscar because, I mean, have we seen a woman 
in WWE get booked the way she had, where she was just running through people and beating legit stars in Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, even though she lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania. Right. Really good match. Nothing like that had happened to the degree that Asuka had it. Because you can go back and you can say that when Sable was allowed to powerbomb Mark Marrow, that was important, yeah. right? And it was. Yeah. It was. It was, but and awful. Two, right. Uh, then you can say, well, look at the shit that China did, right? Intercontinental Champion. She had a great feud with uh, Jeff Jarrett and Chris Jericho. Like, those were different at the time, and she's the most remarkable puppy woman's wrestler we'll ever see. So, but she was more. But China's a weird one because she's she's all by herself. Yeah, because the moment she was brought in, she wasn't booked as a woman, so to speak. She was always. Imagine if China was in this day and age. Like she would be a megastar. Do you think Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair are big? Mm -hmm. China would be absolutely. Huge, yeah. So you take you take those kind of instances that happened like in the '90s, early 2000s, and then later throughout that kind of decade, you have Beth Phoenix who became very powerful, right? Yes. She, she was booked. You know, the Glamazon gimmick was nice. I liked the Glamazon. She was one of my one of my favorites. Yep. And then you know we had this gap basically of just divas doing yes. diva esque things. And the now, Kelly Kelly's of the world. Now that's not a thing anymore because you can't Michelle look back. McCool. You can't see a great match from that decade, really the the two thousands or nineties decade, where you can sit, where it's two women in the ring, and now you can say over the last ten years there's more than a handful of five star, if you will, matches between women that were important. You can look at NXT and the stuff that went on there. Obviously, I know we're going to end up talking about that one because you love it. And, yes. I mean, the women have been in WrestleMania. We had the triple threat match that they did uh, at thirty two. We had the main event at thirty five. And we've had Hell in a Cell matches. That triple threat match at 32 was the match of the night. That entire, that I, I'd put that match up against just about any triple threat mm. in this decade. Other than the Royal Rumble 2015 between John Cena, mm. Seth Rollins, and Brock Lesnar, I would say that women's triple threat match was one of the best triple threat matches of the entire decade. And we don't have anything to compare that to if you go back 10 years prior. There's none of those matches that exist. There's no. Matches, there's matches you know, between Trish and Lita that are good, right, at some of those WrestleManias and even before yes. then. And, and they're good but enough. But what made them good is that they were – it was an anomaly. You know, they, they actually took pride in their work, but they still couldn't hold a candle to what the women are doing now. Yep. And I'm glad you brought up – NXT, because I do think that this whole women's revolution happened and took place in NXT. It didn't happen because Stephanie McMahon came out and declared it. No, this was going on years prior in NXT, where you had the four horsewomen, Mm -hmm. Sasha, Charlotte, Becky, and Bayley, tearing it up with each other in NXT. Uh, Asuka coming in to kind of... uh, Take the torch from those four when she beat Bailey, and all four horsewomen came up. Uh, Shayna Baszler, dominant. Took the, yeah. Yep. Now you have Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. So NXT is where I believe the women's revolution really started. 
it's almost there is no other place it really could have started. So it's kind of like a a lack of options situation because the knockouts division and TNA Impact wasn't doing things that it wasn't NXT great was is being allowed to do, right? And there aren't a lot of even divisions. You can't even call them divisions in other wrestling promotions and even you know stardom wasn't unless you have now. women's only promotions like you have mm-hmm. in japan so i mean look at stardom they're about to have a match at wrestle kingdom this they, year they will they'll be on the wrestle kingdom card that's that will i want that to count for this decade but it happens on like january second or third or something that's important though but that'll be a talking point next decade whenever someone else is doing a decade show so it did start in nxt because <clears> you take those four those four women who really were not the only thing that was going on in NXT, but they were the important things that were going on in the women's division yeah. for NXT at that time because there's a lot of male-dominated roster, and, of course, that's kind of what NXT was going to do is just develop talent nonetheless. But right. you, you realize that you, it's been several years since those young women were starting out in NXT. That's a long time ago, bubs. And yes. now we're in 2020, and not only have they main evented, but Charlotte is like a fucking 12-time or something champ. She's, and she's Becky has been the most over thing last year, at least not anymore. That's faded, but she was she dominated wrestling and was the biggest thing going in all of wrestling for more than six months. So it it did start there, and I think it's gonna hopefully lead to some some bigger and better things for NXT as well. But like when you look at the roster now, it's it's not quite what it used to be. And right. Shayna losing, but doesn't mean she's coming up necessarily. But you got Rhea Ripley, who's going to start doing her own thing and just dominating, and probably be the biggest thing in wrestling in no in three to four years. So I think that's hard to argue. My favorite, one of my favorite matches of all time, and it it made it onto our favorite matches episode was happened in NXT in the women's division, mm-hmm. and it was the NXT Championship match at Takeover Brooklyn between. Sasha Banks and Bailey, where Bailey took the title off of Sasha Banks. You know, finally winning after uh, years of a years long storyline. You know, finally culminating. You know, so it's been a tremendous growth for the women's division this decade. It's something that I am very happy about. It's something that I have long clamored for. Uh, we just never had the talent to really do it. Okay. And everything just kind of clicked with the four horsewomen. Not only are they... I mean, they're they're very attractive women, which Vince is a big fan of, but they also take tremendous pride in what they do in the ring, and they work day in and day out to get better and better and better, and so they became not only the best women's wrestlers in the world, they became some of the best wrestlers in general mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, now it's not even, you know, arguable. So now when if somebody were to ask you randomly, like, you know, who are you some of your favorite wrestlers right now? You're gonna name off a couple of guys just because they're your favorites, but now you're gonna start saying, Well, I really like Rhea Ripley. I or you asked like fan Bailey Becky you're gonna say Tessa you're gonna say Charlotte and that's something that you would not have said in 2009 unless you were really just a fan of the shallow parts that men enjoy talking about and that's the yes. looks right and it was nothing more than that right. 
the puppies, as basically the Jerry, uh, Jerry McKean Waller yes, would say. That dirty, dirty old and man. Now you say, well, no, Becky Lynch is one of my favorites, or whoever it is, and that's that's probably why I think you're meaning that this is probably the biggest thing that's changed over the last decade is now we can safely say that and you can say well what's one of your favorite matches uh it's fucking it involves bailey at an nxt takeover event like that's not something that you would have said 10 years ago so it is a big deal i don't know why you have to attack bailey like that like that was very well she won uh uncouth of you bailey to bailey. A, yes one of my favorites shane douglas not a finish franchise <laughs> You tell that to Shane Douglas, Bob. I will. Fucking legend himself. Ah, NXT yes. is good. We'll hit him up on Twitter. We will. He's an active participant. Yes. But Bubs, NXT, since we're on the topic, like it's, okay. it's it's obviously grown, and I agree with the women's revolution there, but... Oh, it, it started this decade. It it did, but now let's... Bubs. Where's the brand now? Okay, well, no. First, let's talk about... At the beginning of this decade, NXT wasn't a brand. It wasn't a developmental it was a reality show, a weekly show fun. with, you know, these rookies from FCW coming up to uh, perform tasks and do different things with their pro, like The Miz or yes. uh, some some mid-card guy, because no main eventer is going to be involved in that. Right. You're not going to see John Cena being a pro on NXT. <laughs> But the first season of NXT turned into the Nexus. So we got yeah. a big kind of push with that. I mean, that ended up not going anywhere. You want to talk about one of the biggest flops of the decade. We can get into that later. Okay. But NXT started as just a weekly reality show that wasn't even a reality show. It was, hey, perform this ridiculous task and then get berated by your pro yeah. and every once in a while there was an actual match that like was, Daniel Bryan versus Chris Jericho it was just full of that was an entertainment thing that was a, a space filler it was a gimmick in time nothing more than a gimmick that was like hey here's something for people to do you mentioned the mid carters I mean it was a great thing for the Miz to do because we remember the Miz like a lot from that right and yeah. Daniel Bryan a lot from that <clears throat> so I don't know what, really what the initial intentions were with it, like if they were just going to use it to introduce new talent and then find a way to springboard them into matches, but NXT was able I mean, to Look at that first season. You had Daniel Bryan, Wade Barrett, Ryback, or Skip Sheffield, uh, Husky, well, was Husky Harris, or was he was the he, next? He wasn't there yet. And I think he was the second season. Uh, who else was in the... God. I'm, I'm picturing all the Nexus guys. Uh, really tanned. Oh, up. Uh, God, Heath Slater was there, Bob. Yes, he was. <laughs> He's Justin Gabriel. Job. Justin Gabriel, that's who I was thinking of. Look uh, at some other that. NXT alums. The Titus O'Neil yeah. was in NXT. Uh, Kurt Henning. No, not Kurt Henning. Kurt uh, Henning. Ah, Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel. <laughs> Kurt Michael Henning. McGillicuddy. <laughs> McGillicuddy. Yes, Husky Harris, now Bray Wyatt. Um... Gosh, NXT was awful back then. <laughs> oh, EC3. It was. It was complete yes. trash. And But what it did do was it put some guys on our screen. What, and, a, what a class. Well, you know? well, seeing some of those like 
um, original, like, I mean, the, the image that I'm picturing still says FCW on it, but those guys that were oh. there wrestling, not just um, Wyatt, but, um, okay, what's his brother's name? I'm, why, is I, why am I blanking? Oh, Bo Dallas. So Bo Dallas was there who became a great NXT champion. You take those guys that were really nothing, you just give them a little platform to do something. It was just right. nothing more than like, here's a camera. We want you guys to do some Let's shit. See what happens. We have time and we need to fill it. And before you know it, like you said, we got Chris USA Jericho. is giving us a lot of money yeah. to, <laughs> to do this stuff. We're going to do it. But then we got Chris but, Jericho on NXT. Yeah. That meant something then. Wrestling with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And before you know it. a the, hell of a match. The NXT became <clears throat> a brand, and then we had takeovers. Thank you, Triple and, H. Then we had, thank you, thank William Thank God Rita. for Triple H. And we have all these things that have now, that now they're taking, you know, selling out um, the big four weekends, basically. Yes. And doing all kinds of shit. And it's just, it's becoming the best, it's the most consistent brand in all of wrestling for the last four right. years. And it's, it's had some of the best storylines of any yes. other brands. And let, let's get into that. You know, what, because I want to stick on this NXT topic for a little bit. Okay. But first, I think you got a little something for us, Bubs. You think we should do it right now? Well, you know, why not? I'm in the season of giving. You, all right. Well, on that note, Bubs. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. Well, Bubs, I think you know what that means, right? Yes, so, money. I love money. Right. Support for the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast is coming from Manscaped officially. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, Bubs. Bob's, it is 2020, almost, and you know what that means? New year, new me, new balls. Listen up, everyone. Those hairy bushes of yours, that's so 2019. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. And Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. Bob's, I've had so many times where I have tried to impress a young gal... Uh, try to make my night lucky by giving me a little clean shave down there. Well, guess what? Rip, tear, nick here, nick there. It doesn't work out. But guess what? Manscaped has engineered. They've redesigned the electric tremor. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary safe skin technology. So this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaped is making accidents finally a thing in the past. Now, Bubs, they got a lot of different products out there, but specifically, check out the Crop Preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant. Yes. Are you serious? And a moisturizer? Get out. Honestly, we wear deodorant for our armpits, so why are we not putting deodorant on the smelliest parts of our body? We need to get with the program. So with that... Think about it right now. 20% off, Bubs, and free shipping if you use our code. Oh, you can't beat that. You can't. Code E-L-B-O-W at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Use the code E-L-B-O-W. And guess what, Bubs? Your balls will thank you. Bubs, that's what All we right. call a little live plug right there for the yes, listening Yes, it's so fans. much better than you listen to a podcast and it... They're, they're about to start a new segment. They go, but first, I want to talk about blah, blah, blah. And you could tell it's pre-recorded. 
and then they just jump back into it as if they didn't just cut away. Well, I don't like that. I like to make this live. I like to make this in person. I like to make everyone a part of our process. And honestly, that's that's for you, Manscaped. You're taking care of us. We're going to take care of you. We don't do that. Yeah, you are. We don't do that for the plug for Anchor. That one's generic. It's pre-made. We've re- we still love it. you, Anchor. Yeah, I mean, we still love you, Anchor. And we've recut yeah. it like three times at, at best. But for you, Manscaped, we'll do anything for you. So here we go, Bubs. Back to what we were. You wanted to talk NXT. What specifics yes. did you want to get into about the brand? Because there's a lot. I, I want to talk about the biggest moments, the biggest storylines, and just who did it best in well, NXT if we're over talk the NXT, decade. Let me throw out a few that I had written down earlier that I want to yes. talk to you about from NXT. And two big names that did great shit during their time, and that's Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Oh, that was a good okay. feud. Right? And, and I had... It didn't last as long as you think it did, but it was... For, for when it was happening. That's because it has previous stories, right? It connected right. to their indie work. They made it drag into the main roster, you know, a couple times, in fact, and they've since, you know, been, become friends and now enemies again type of thing, but whatever. That one is on here because I have Kevin Owens written down a few times because heel Kevin Owens at that time was kind of the guy everybody wanted. He was a little bit unhinged. You know, he kind of did what he wanted. He used that vicious powerbomb on the apron type of thing on a lot of different oh, guys. That and, was awful. And Sammy was nothing more than the underrated kind of, I guess, underdogish type of guy. The underdog from the underground, Bubs. Yeah, and I, I love that feud. I put that one on here because... Former champions, they both are. Former great indie stars, obviously great friends. And when you take friends and you put them in the ring together and say feud, it often works out well, right? Sami Zayn kind of had the same trajectory that Bailey had in NXT. He was always so close. Hmm. Always right up there, but just couldn't seal the deal. Couldn't win the big one. And then he finally did. He finally beat Neville, Adrian Neville, for the NXT title. Uh, and Neville, a great champion, who beat uh, Bo Dallas, who was another great champion. But Sami Zayn finally did it. He finally won the NXT Championship. It was a huge moment. Everyone came out and celebrated, including his best friend, Kevin best Owens. Friend, absolutely. They share a big hug. It was a great moment. But then, then the turn happens, and that's when the career arc of Kevin Owens changed forever. Because he became a big-time heel. He became the best heel in NXT, in the WWE, period. He, he maimed Sami Zayn. He crushed Sami Zayn. He took the title off of Sami Zayn without ever pinning him. I think that's one of the most important. Now that you, you kind of put it down like that, like had Kevin Owens not gone through that portion in NXT... Some of his WWE stuff is it's not nearly as believable or, or as important because there's no way you can really take Kevin Owens without that you know friendship turn and put him against the John Cena that we saw eventually down the road either and have that match go over the way it did. So NXT has a way of setting things up, and it seems like the best friend heel turn is kind of a thing that they've gone with as well. Because we'll talk about Man, the next one. Golly, yeah, I'm bringing that one up. Yeah, we'll talk about that, but. They're very important because that's several years past now, and if those events don't happen to Zayn and they don't happen with Kevin Owens, they're not as important perhaps right now in 2020 as we get into it because 
they go through something like that. And it's a very easy, you talk about career arc. I agree with that is if it's not there, we're going to have a different person right now. Yeah. We might not see Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn on the main roster in big time storylines and being pushed as a main eventer like Kevin Owens was. Kevin Owens was the first legitimate universal champion. Yes. Because he won the title after Finn Balor. Finn Balor was the original champ, but he held it for a day. Mm-hmm. So you, you could count that, yes, but the first legit universal champion was Kevin Owens. And, you know, he, he wins the title in NXT. He holds it for a long time. He takes it onto Raw to confront John Cena, beats John Cena on pay-per-view. That doesn't happen without him being booked like a monster in NXT. That rarely happens to John Cena in general. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. To lose at a pay-per-view, John Cena does not lose at pay-per-views. John Cena had a tremendous decade. We'll get into that. (laughs) We'll get into that. (laughs) I love John Cena. Uh, But... I mean, that moment led to, that feud, that moment alone led to Kevin Owens becoming a main event player. Sami Zayn being put in major storylines and now being the mouthpiece for uh, the Intercontinental Champion, Shinsuke Nakamura. Right. And just constantly being in a big-time program. He was in one of the main event programs with Shane McMahon when he was feuding with him and Daniel Bryan when they were GM and commissioner which led to Daniel Bryan coming out of retirement. So Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have both been a part of some major moments in this past decade. The Festival of Friendship for Kevin Owens. Yeah. Yet another best friend heel turn. Yep. That doesn't happen if what happened in NXT didn't go over like it did. This is why I've kind of forced myself to quit ignoring what happens in NXT. When Some of the events that I think at the time are kind of innocuous and don't mean much at all because they're gonna start meaning things down wait till this next one happens i I know right so i'm looking back at some of the shit that's happened over the past couple even the past few years and there's some guys we're obviously high on right and there's matches that were great but i I start thinking ahead and i'm like if this if we're three years from now let's say it's you know 2023 even like it's a velveteen dream don't don't take my fucking words and, I'm sorry, and, we think so much and, alike. And Velveteen Dream is main eventing multiple pay-per-views throughout the, yes. throughout the year and possibly Mania. And we look back and we're like, hey, remember that time he lost clean, but it meant so much when he lost to Aleister Black and he said his name? Yes. And all of that led to the Velveteen Dream that we'll have in 2023 that we don't even know what the fuck that looks like yet. Because guess what? He could be feuding with Aleister Black and he'll tell him. They'd be like, you remember when I made you say my name? Uh, you were forced to respect me. I forced you to utter my name out of your mouth, and you loved the way it felt coming out of your mouth. I fucking love that match. Because So anyway, so my God. point is that um, I'm done overlooking some of the small things that occur on NXT right. because they're going to mean a lot more than we think they will next year and two years from now and three years from now. And I'm going to keep making a big deal about them. I want you to because we're going to talk about them. I want to talk about the biggest heel of last nope. year. Nope, I'm yeah. going to talk. I know no, I'm, I'm going no, I'm, to talk. I'm, I'm bringing. I was up. prefacing it for you. I'm. I'm okay. ready to talk about it. I'm going to punch you in the face okay. if you take this. The greatest storyline of the decade, the greatest heel of the decade, also taking place in. We haven't even left NXT yet, Bubs. We are still. 
in NXT. We can't because so much good happened. No entrance music. And the best to happen in this decade in NXT and all of wrestling was the feud between former best friends. They were teammates in DIY, former NXT tag team champions. The biggest face tag team maybe that NXT had ever seen. But then one day, they lose. They lose the belts. Well, guess what? They have their rematch for them. It's a ladder match. Uh, it involves them and this this team called AOP. They're okay. Yep. And we're not going to talk much about them. They've fallen off. Uh, anyway, actually, they're in a big, big time spot they're, right they're now. Doing, they're doing good at the moment. Yeah, they're doing good at the moment. And then it starts to cut to black. You're like, I can't believe it. Love those guys. I can't wait to see them back in the title. Wait, what's happening? You know, the credit, the little credit thing at the bottom of the screen the pops up. Symbol. Yes, yes that, that's how you know it's about to cut to black. Well, guess what? The black heart came out, and Tommaso Ciampa turned on Johnny Gargano. I remember it like it was just moments ago. I remember not, sitting in my room, and I lost it. And it and guess what? Ciampa was hurt. He had to go away. He had to go bye-bye for a year. Only to return as a massive heel. Screwing over Gargano for the NXT Championship. And starting one of the greatest feuds of all time. Are you, are you done? Yes, I've, I've set it up, Bubs. You can now... Okay. So that's on my list of, um, I, you know, we'll, we'll get into specific feuds here momentarily once we're actually able to step away from NXT specifically. But this one's on here because... It was such a good decade for NXT. It was a, a great, not just feud, obviously, with him and Ciampa. Tremendous. But the character that Ciampa became is something that should Sound. be really, really talked about. And there's some... In 15 years <clears throat> from now, someone's going to be looking back and they're going to be watching tape of him learning how to make a character. Because yes. the, sh the stuff that they had him doing, and we don't know, you know who's really responsible for it backstage and helping him. Hopefully we learn a lot about that. But the Jim Beam Vanilla, uh, excuse me. Oh, um, yes. The, Sorry, Bob Sign. Drunk Pairing. Episode 82 here at Collar and Elbow Wrestling. Um, when you're able to... <laughs> the sound. When you're able to enter a match at a TakeOver main event and just walk out there with a black screen and have no music behind you and the crowd just destroying you with booze. Oh, good word. It means, it means that you've done something right, and some, well, something wrong in our eyes, but something right that we now hate you beyond belief and obviously beyond kayfabe to a degree, I guarantee it. Some people truly hating what Ciampa became because Johnny Gargano's the ultimate face, bubs. He's right. Like, He's a little guy. He can do all the things. Even his, his indie and, and career And DIY was, was, was the most yeah. beloved uh, tag team. So you can't do the things you did, like Ciampa did, and not have the results be anything different than a tremendous heel. And you call him the, maybe the greatest heel of the decade. That's strong. Maybe one of the greatest heels of all time, but, but, you but, know, but that's what, just me. But what he did after that injury and his return and the matches that they put on were... I mean, we, tremendous is the wrong word. They were they were legendary. That's why the feud is on here, Bubs. We're going to be remembering these things. Those matches and and we watched 
all of those matches together, whether it was in person uh, for the Chicago Street Fight or on the on the phone on via the Skype. Skype. Those matches meant so much that we had to we had to take them in together. We had to share in that moment because we were seeing something that was truly special. We were seeing something so different, something that we hadn't seen in so long, something we hadn't seen since the, the, the late nineties. You know, something we hadn't seen since Gosh, I don't know. Like, when was the last time it's you hard. had such a heated rivalry? It's hard to describe. It's hard to where the matches were also really good too. And the best part about I think the match stuff is they had three three great ones, right? I think I believe it was three. Right. Um, uh, yeah. And after the first one, we it's either you or I. One of us definitely said it. The, the next time, they're like, well, they can't top the last one. I, I'm pretty sure I said that. And then the third one is occurring, and then one of us would have said, well, they can't top the first two. And then, and then they did you to top it right so it's it's ridiculous the level of creativity that they were given in the match i mean street fight by itself there's so that much freedom was, that, they, that one was amazing that, that they were given so i love it bubs i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you it's on my list of a couple that i've written down here a feuds of the decade that i want to talk with you about here shortly and i loved it absolutely and both guys are still uh big time stars mm-hmm Champa has proven his worth. Uh, he's his injuries are starting to uh, mount up yeah, they're a bit, a bit, yeah. And that's that's uh, upsetting. But he is still one of the top guys going in NXT, which is now its own brand on the USA Network. Yep. It's no longer just a developmental. Uh, and Johnny Gargano continues to be, and he's a guy who's fluctuated between heel and face. Uh, over the past year or so, but he's back to being the because he's he's just a better he's meant to be a face. He's meant to be the underdog. It's hard to be a small guy like him and be a heel unless you're Adam Cole and you have you know people behind you that can the, the stable makes that kind of easy. Yeah. So great decade, great past, great half decade for those two. Now, Bubs, I want to kind of hit this in a little bit of chronological order, but some just some quick takes I want to get away from you on uh, some of the, these feuds that I wrote down. CM Punk versus John Cena and what it meant for the early part of the decade. And obviously, Punk has been Punk has remained mm-hmm. relevant in one regard or another the entire right. decade. As has Cena, of course, but Punk being a non-wrestler for a lot of Here, the decade. Here's the thing about that feud. In the grand scheme of things... What did it change? Nothing. <laughs> did you want something different? Nope. Oh, okay. That's I what I wanted up. to. I thought you were setting me up for something. Nope. It That's changed. the exact answer I wanted. Sure, it was a good feud that had one great moment. It did. And one great match. But ultimately, it led to nothing. And it changed nothing uh yet everyone continues to live off of that one great moment and that one great match so you so the feud itself didn't do a whole lot for you no not at all it had one great moment and one great match we're going to be able to agree rather quickly then so let's move on in chronological order (laughs) because there's a couple things i want to talk about here um how long? I wish I would have looked up these numbers earlier, but we'll just talk about it in generics. Um, how many times and for how long <clears throat> did the New Day and the Usos put on tremendous oh. matches at pay per views? 
At least at ten. Seventy two. <laughs> well, one was Undertaker. What was the Goldberg streak? One seventy three and zero. Yeah, something like that. Something because like that. they Hell that cell matches. That might have been the best WWE feud of the decade. Because that one, it was back and forth. You never knew who was going to win. No idea. Those matches. And you had to be cool with it. And they were the two top teams. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have to go. They could have phoned it in each and every week. But they went out and just continued to put... And that was that's another... That, yes, exactly. That's another set of people, another feud where we would go, there's no way they can top the previous one. There's no way they can top the one before that. There's no way they can top this one. And then they continued to improve upon themselves. And just when you thought, oh, God, they're putting those two teams together again, we've already seen it. Seen it. Oh. The match happens, and we go, oh, my God, please the night. keep them together. Please keep them feuding. I don't care who's the face. I don't care who's the heel. Just make fight forever. Clap, 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 clap. Yes. Now, Bubs, we talked a little bit about how great New Japan had been, you know, through the decade, and it's really driven off the greatest wrestler in the world being part of that. Yes. The the feud, the Omega, the get out of my house, the the feud <laughs> that Kazushika Okada had with Tanahashi and yes. or, and or Omega really are the key points of why New Japan is where it is today. Because at the beginning of the decade, the 12, mm. 13, 14, you had. It was just basically Tanahashi and Omega, or excuse me, Okada. Right. And, you know, of course, you had other talented guys in there. We have Shinsuke. You know, there's still you know, the legends, if you will, that were there. But the brand itself wasn't quite what it was. But as far as feuds go, if that feud doesn't happen between the Ace and Okada, several times, in fact, or for the entire time, maybe it's just one long feud, who knows, that shit was great. And I had to look it up before we started, right, because you heard me counting was that Okada had been in seven of the last eight Wrestle Kingdom God, events. That's what and, a stat that is. And, and or, people would kill John Cena for being yes. in... Or Roman Reigns being in three. Yeah, and here's Okada in seven of those eight main eventing and or with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship around his waist right. defending or challenging four. So it's a necessity because... They they're not that's not a stacked roster not roster necessarily right there's a handful of guys that you can put in that position where WWE right. has two handfuls at least well, of guys New Japan has it's kind of in the same boat that the W the the mid mid to late nineties WWE did where it had a tremendous mid card but the mid card couldn't ascend to the main event they mm -hmm. they just didn't have it and so you had Stone Cold and The Rock constantly feuding yep. You know, then you throw in Triple H, and every once in a while you had someone new come in. That's that's what New Japan is at now, where you've got, you know, two, three, four guys, believably, that could be in the main event. You have Naito, Tanahashi, Okada. Uh, I guess you could throw in Ibushi right now. You can I don't know J how... Jay White if you want to. But I don't know how believable those two mm -hmm. really are, being in the main event. But they have a great mid-card where you have guys like Ishii and used to have Shibata. Yeah, who and else, Bubs? Who else? You have Sonata. Sonata! Bubs. And just some tremendous talent in the mid-card that can't believably, as of right now, be put into 
the main event. But that doesn't hinder them. That mm. That's what made WWF so great back in the day because you had your mid-carb guys that you loved and you watched the show for them yeah. and then you had your one big main event feud that you bought the pay-per-view for. Right. The sellout. Yes. Uh. Your Rock versus Austin is your Tanahashi versus Okada. Mm-hmm. And then Triple H versus Rock is your Okada versus uh, Omega. Yeah. And I think the New Japan kind of ascension throughout the decade has been... It's been pretty safe and secure because it's, it's gone from where it was in 10. And it's kind of just slowly increased since then. They really haven't plateaued necessarily. They haven't peaked. We, we all thought that you know the peak would be crazy when Omega won the title, right? But that never happened. Oh, and they've, God, they've, that was... They've continued, though, to be remain relevant. They're still on this incline of success. Ibushi now becoming a, a megastar as well, and you still have guys yeah, like Finally Kido. signing a you know, full-time a deal with New Japan. Thank God. And then you got all these outliers. I mentioned Jay White because he's flirted with that main event scene a time or two as well. Artists, so, they, they threw him headfirst into he, it. He went into it, and it didn't necessarily <laughs> last as long as maybe they wanted. So he's flirted with it, and he's got some damn good wins that are credible for his resume. But they're they're on a steady path. They're they're there's, there's the one US. man to, yes, and there's one man to thank for that. Well, I guess two, but the, the the guy who runs the show, the guy who took over the booking, Gato? and yes, yeah. I, with, without him, uh, where, where's New Japan? It's still trying to, it's still trying to. <laughs> You know, I gotta, it was so bad in the mid two thousands. Without him, we don't get a. Without him, we don't get Okada doing what, what, no. he's, what he's got. Without so him, we do. don't have Tanahashi. Without him, we don't have yeah uh, Okada. So that that's true. I guess I I would have left him off my. He's a he's a face for me then for the decade. I guess <laughs> but, just just for being a booker. Yeah, just be, just for booking things, occasionally doing other things. But Bob's those are some of the. the he's a good manager. The key feuds that I threw out there uh, that, that I thought of for the decade, there's obviously several that were important, but those are the key ones that I thought kind of defined the decade that I remember kind of as okay. being important for what they were. So Okay, well, those, what, was your, what were your favorite feuds, though? Because maybe, because there's some feuds that I feel didn't have any impact on the decade that I still loved. I love the CM Punk Jericho feud from 2012. Okay. Um... Believe, I I don't want to get in trouble for it, but I loved Miz and Ziggler. Why would you get in trouble for it? Because well, because we we know that that was a great feud. If we know that Vince hears us talking about Ziggler, that we will get look. It's a me that he hates talking about Ziggler. So because uh, I never shut up about it, but that career versus title match. <sighs> was absolutely phenomenal. The story going into it was amazing, and the match itself was really good. And if, if you want me, and I'll bring this up when we talk about you know, memorable parts, but if you're talking about the one, the few that I truly remember the most that I think defined the decade was... It doesn't you know, have to define the decade. It just... Well, it does It does for me, is what I'm saying, is that for me, the feud with Daniel Bryan versus The Authority was a defining portion of the decade. Well, Bubs, that didn't just define the decade. That That was the decade. Okay, that feud... It, and I was saving that for a little bit later, but save we can it, go ahead. No, and, I, no I don't let's go ahead now. and talk about this. But we can My talk about biggest some... no, you stop right now. You brought it up. Now I'm gonna jump headfirst into it. I feel the biggest storyline. I God, I heard myself there for a second. 
the biggest storyline of the two big storylines of the decade. First was the and really this is the re- really the biggest storyline of the entire decade was the absence of CM Punk. The leaving of CM Punk and the eventual podcast and then the lawsuit that drew that to me that was the defining storyline of pro wrestling for the entire decade because it made fans insufferable the worst i had to hear way too many cm punk chants so many and i had to watch him get his his head knocked off twice in the ufc where he had no business being because he is awful at martial arts but regional my (laughs) that's where he belongs he belongs training with floor layers all right (laughs) laborers yeah Utah or north dakota or whatever um but what the storyline and the moment (laughs) stop it (laughs) i'm back all right, good. The storyline and the moment that finally sunk me back into wrestling is what you just brought up. The storyline between Daniel Bryan and the Authority. And we've talked about this ad nauseum. At length. Over the last few years. But this years. decade has been kind deeply to Daniel Bryan. Um, coming into the WWE in 2011, I believe, uh, becoming a multiple-time world champion, even before his big WrestleMania moment, main eventing WrestleMania, pulling a double duty, having two matches Booking that same too. night. Booking like Bret Hart. And then it happened, you know, the retirement. Uh, he wasn't right. Uh, doctors found issues with his brain, so he had to step away. But we get a second run for Daniel Bryan after what three years gone? Two, three years gone? I think it was almost three years because he came back before Mania. So he comes back and gets a second run where he becomes a world champion again. But that storyline with the authority. Okay. First of all, his win at uh, SummerSlam against John Cena to win the title. And then loss. And then having Triple H turn on him. And I wouldn't say turn on him. Triple H was never aligned with him. but Triple H, just be, he was just Triple H. Yeah, he Triple H'd him real hard right in the middle of the ring. Yep. And Randy Orton, what are you watching? Sorry, the blue the blueprint fucking Matt Morgan's on my TV. God, I love Matt Morgan. Sorry, um, he's easy on the eyes. And then Randy Orton takes the title from him, and he feuds with Randy Randy Orton that entire year for the Good title. Feud. Then, Good feud. Then he joins the the White family. Another good feud. Good feud. Brian, and he turns on Bray Wyatt, and then that leads to him occupying Raw. Yes, and the Yes Movement. The Yes Movement had already taken off at that point, but that... Him sitting... Okay, to me, my greatest moment, second greatest, because the greatest moment was him winning at WrestleMania, but the second 
the the best visual moment of the year was Daniel Bryan sitting decade, yes, of that year, of the year 2013, was him sitting on the top of the cage after his moment with Bray Wyatt Bray, yeah. and doing the yes chance with the entire crowd until the camera went to black. Mm. There's maybe no greater fan participation moment in the history of this decade. I am so excited to leave these Daniel Bryan conversations in this decade. So when we move forward into 2020, we finally he's still around though, bud. I know. And he's going to retire hope, again and we're going to get to talk about his whole career. I hope we all talk over about his again. new shit and we get to leave all this stuff in the past. So I agree with you, Bubs. Now you're talking yeah, about some heels. We talked about a couple heels that you mentioned already. I wrote down a specific category of some dudes that I want to throw out real quick, and I want to get your quick intake on them. Um, the authority in general, as a heel faction, to, yeah. include, to include Stephanie and or Vince yeah. and or Shane at times and or Hunter and fucking J and J Security maybe. I don't know. I like J and J Security. Don't, don't forget about Corporate Kane. Corporate Kane in there, right? So. Um, <clears throat> I wrote them down. I also wrote down Vince McMahon always as a heel. <laughs> what? Because no matter what he does. <laughs> he didn't have a great decade, though. He didn't do a lot in the decade. Really. No. He, I mean, he, he was on TV less and less, of course, because he's 82. And um, more importantly, let's talk about this. Randy Horton, Randy Orton always. I wrote that Randy down. Horton. Coffee. Yes. Big fan <laughs> always of Randy a heel. Orton. Uh him as a face doing just RKO stuff is fun, <clears throat> but he's always so much better as a heel. He's easy to easy guy to, to hate, to get he behind looks, not still liking. Looks, still looks so good. And he I looks like amazing. The, I feel like all the women like him, so I get like this insecurity. As they should. Driven. I'm not in, I feel insecure about my own feelings towards him. I want to give you a chance, and I'll talk about it with you, but it's something that I know you love to talk about, and I love to feed you stuff that you love to talk about, and that's 2015. more. 2015, feed Seth Rollins. Oh, great run. One of my favorite runs of the decade. Good run. Um, I was balls deep into this. I uh, loved him as the double champ pulling double duty at pay-per-views. I mean, he was a workhorse. There was a reason he got hurt the way he did, just yeah. because... His body was done at that point. With the white streak in his hair, bubs. Yes, the architect. He was doing those things. The architect really... The the nickname really came came true. Then he did a lot of great. That matches. turn though, did you, did you watch the turn? Like, did you like when it happened? Did you watch it? His heel turn. Yes. Yes. What about okay. it specifically? Like, did you watch it? Yes, I did. As it happened. Yes, I did. What was your reaction to it? So I know what mine was. Mine was this is the only. Uh, so I was surprised at the timing. So I was surprised when it happened, but it just all, happened after they had a big win against the Authority. Yeah, the of the three of them, the only one that could have done that successfully was going to be Rollins at that time because Ambrose was not believable. Everyone thought Ambrose was was going to do it because he's unhinged, bugs. He's no. he's crazy. He's the I, lunatic. I can see through that, but. And you could tell that Roman was in a better position to be more, much more of the face push guy because oh, they were they were doing that. So when it happened, uh, timing surprised me, but him being the person that it, it was kind of selected to be, I wasn't really really upset about. So okay, 
I remember, because I just, I was freshly out of the Army, living in my in-law's house until we got us an apartment. And I had to have woken up the entire house when it happened because I just, I didn't see it coming at all. And I was surprised it was Seth. Really? Because all the talk was that it was going to be Ambrose. Ambrose if the right shield right. ever broke up, it was going to be because of Ambrose. But he was fucking, you couldn't trust him. You didn't know what he was doing. I, he was a lunatic. He's he crazy. Wild. The wild card. No, he's just a little bitch. Anyway. Um, John sorry. <laughs> Moxley. Oh, awful. Justin Roberts selling it. Yeah, he's awful. I'm not a fan of Justin Roberts. He's so nasally. He is. He can get out of my get off my TV screen. Okay, we'll put him in the anyway, category. All right. Because the timing was so off to me. Because they did just come off of a huge set of matches against Evolution, mm-hmm. and they fought so hard, and then it happened right then and there. Like that was that's like story wise that's weird, but. Rollins was the perfect choice. Yes. And he took his opportunity and he ran with it. Him as Money in the Bank was fun. Having J&J Security kind of do his dirty work. Anytime Joey Mercury and Jamie Noble can be on my TV screen, I'm okay with that. If Jamie Noble's on my screen, something must be happening that I like. Yeah, something good. a lot. (laughs) And I think about it kind of in retrospect now, if they were to play give if they were to give Roman that exact same character, he would have flopped with it. Because the character that they had Rollins running with, it, it wouldn't have been anybody else. Ambrose couldn't have done it because he it's just not him. And Roman would have had to try far too hard to get some of that stuff through. Some of those promos, some of the because Seth did a lot of cowardly heel shit as well. Yes, which, which was you know slimy. Roman shit. could never get away with. Right, so he was the perfect character for that. He was the right choice at the time, and he ended up having a great fucking year. And you go on to mention a lot of matches, of course, that yes. that happen, and he's in a lot of those. You you just mentioned specifically like the 2015 Rumble, and like that whole oh yeah, that triple threat match between him, John Cena, and Brock Lesnar was tremendous. It's an all timer right there. So you take all those factors and the WrestleMania stuff that occurs. He did double duty that night as well. So he's a dude who, that was one of the best years of wrestling for an individual from a storyline perspective and from probably just a stats perspective as well for being a multiple time champ, uh, holding double titles and working as much as the dude did. Great fucking year. Right. And to have it end the way it did sucked. Um, And honestly, he hasn't really been able to recover from it since. No, not how that, we, we would expect. Sucks. No. But, man, I'm glad you brought him up because that same year, not only was Seth Rollins doing some amazing things uh, as the main event, as the champion, we had John Cena bringing the luster and the prestige back to the United States Championship taking a step back, letting someone like Seth Rollins take over, while he took a secondary role and embraced it wholeheartedly. And did a lot for a bunch of other talent as well, and actually made you, like, the uni- the United States Championship was... It was my favorite part of Raw, Bubs. I watched Raw weekly just to watch 
the United States Open Challenge. Yep, and because before that it was skippable TV. That's when you're like, okay, let me change the channel to football or let me go take this piss or whatever you're going to do. But okay. with him holding the title, it obviously gets more prestige right away, but it's really what he did with it. It wasn't the fact that it was around his waist necessarily. No. It was what he did for other people. And I mentioned the Kevin Owens thing already, but there was a lot. I mean, that's when John Cena also started adding to his move repertoire, right? We've talked about that at that nauseum as well, but that's really when Cena decided to become a better fucking wrestler was yeah, in 2014, yeah. 15. And he became a dude where it's almost impossible to hate the guy anymore. Because he's no longer five moves of doom. Yeah, you're going to get him, but you're all gonna, also going to get the fucking backpack stunner and sunset flips. And, I know, the and, Canadian Destroyer. Yeah, Canadian Destroyers and Avalanche AAs and all kinds of shit that we didn't think that... that old, matches with AJ Styles. That old John Cena wouldn't have done for us. And then eventually, and, I'll, and I'll, I'm getting to him now as well, is Cena is really... I mean, he's a heel to some people, but he's the biggest face in WWE for the decade because... He's John fucking Cena. And those matches that he had with AJ Styles, who's a great heel and face as well, who should get a little love. He can play both sides. Those were... We didn't deserve those matches. Cena shouldn't be putting on those level of matches at his age. Styles can because he's smaller, more agile, has the quickness. You know, he can do... His moveset is nicer. But Cena should not be allowed to do those things at his age. And, well, he did them several times, especially at the Rumble and SummerSlam, which we fell in love with, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. SummerSlam being one of my favorite matches of the decade. Mm Mm-hmm. So Cena, we're, we'll talk about Cena almost every show if we could because the dude's a goat. Yes, he, he deserves more love, and he was one of my other faces I was going to bring up of the decade because we've talked about all the other ones really um, in pieces for the most part, including Becky Lynch now and, and Bailey yes. in NXT. So the last part that I wanted to talk about subject-wise, Bubs, was the memories really that okay happened, happened for the last decade, 2010 until the end of 2019. You've got some memories in your in your head that you always think about that pop up that come easier than others. I want to know what those are, and, okay, um, and what they're worth. Here's what I want to do. Yeah, I want you and I to give our five best moments of the decade that we remember fondly, that we believe are the most, maybe not the most important, but the most important to us. Okay, and let's start with you. Okay, specific moments. I yes. can easily say that the Hardy Boys return at WrestleMania 33. Yep, in that triangle turned fatal four way ladder match. And the pop that they received from the crowd to include in my home was one of my memories because it was full of nostalgia. And the Hardy Boys right. on my, the Hardys were my tag team of the three main tag teams that were the Attitude Era that we loved the Dudleys and uh, Agent Christian, to, not to be excluded. Um, their return there would be in my number five of some of the decade shit that's happened. Okay. Um, that's a good one. The Hardys coming back was really good. Uh, I'm going to say, just because it's personal between you and me, the the Arya Drunk Punk, the <laughs> feud between CM Punk and Chris Jericho, Good. when Jericho smashes... CM Punk with a bottle of alcohol and yells at him, huh, are you a drunk punk? We've used that uh, exclusively, weekly. Yes. That has to make it onto my five favorite moments of the decade. Jericho, at any time, given a microphone or the ability to say something wild, will give you good TV. Ah, oh, okay. Um, I would have included the pipe bomb 
but I'm not going to include that now because um, I'm going to skip it because we did talk about it. So I'm going to say the streak ending with Brock Lesnar. That's because, a good one. Because it is my number two event of all time that if I could change the result of, I would. I don't think he should have ever lost at Mania. I still believe that. So that's okay. just, that's like literally the number two thing in all of wrestling that I would have changed. So I like that. If um, I remember it, of course, I'm sure you watched it as well, probably live. But that is a big moment. See, here's the here's the funny thing about that one. So I was I started that WrestleMania a little late. So uh, I was about twenty to thirty minutes behind, just enough time. To where at the start of the match, my lovely wife, who was scrolling through Facebook at the time, mm. goes, wow, The Undertaker lost? I would have hit her. I, I would have lost it. It was the worst moment of the decade. That's a bad for <laughs> That's me. Uh, oh. It was completely ruined for me. I felt none of the kind of... I didn't know. I didn't get to feel. I I didn't get to feel any of the motion of it. It was it was hollow. I didn't know me. this, Bubs. It, she took that away from you. She took it physically and emotionally and spiritually. Took that moment away from me. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Okay. Wow. But yeah. Okay. So let me get into my. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Having the God, we haven't even gotten into. There's so much to talk about for a whole decade, Bubs. It's, it's a lot, Bubs. But WrestleMania 29 or was it 20? No, 28. Sorry, 28 in Miami after the Hell in a Cell, standing at the top of the ramp is Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and The Undertaker. Mm. Now, in my opinion, that's where The Undertaker should have retired. Okay. I don't, you know, you can have the streak never end. Now, I do think Brock Lesnar ending the streak did do a lot of good for Brock Lesnar and his credibility. Because up until that point, Brock had lost to Triple H, had lost to John Cena... You know, he, he wasn't all that credible. But him taking the streak from The Undertaker made him credible again. Because he then went on to dominate John Cena and take the belt from him at SummerSlam that year. But my next one would be the end of that Hell in a Cell match. And just those three standing at the top of the ring, the top of the ramp. And that being what should have been the final curtain call for The Undertaker. Okay. Because there was no good match after that at WrestleMania. No. Because, yeah. So I didn't think his match with Punk was that good. I didn't think his his match with Bray Wyatt was not good at all. Wyatt's Wyatt's wasn't good. Roman's wasn't good. No. So Rock's wasn't good just because he was... Just out of it the yeah. whole time. Yeah, that's a good moment there. So, and I, I have to mention the year... Bef- so, WrestleMania 26 occurred in 2010. So, 
the retirement match of Shawn Michaels as it was as it came to not be because he's since returned in an unfavorable fashion. Uh, um, let's not bring that up. Uh, we won't bring that up. But that match and the uh, not the necessarily the match because the match is great, obviously, but um, the ending segment and then Shawn Michaels kind of having his moment there uh, at the end of WrestleMania is a, a memorable moment because it's signifies one of the greatest careers ever and yes. a, du- a dude who puts on incredible matches to include that match obviously so that's a great moment for me to remember and I'll always remember that one because it's the Undertaker and Sean tore it down and it meant yes. something and it and the feud was there so that's one that'd be my I guess my number three I guess moment of the decade that I always remember they're kind of the easy ones that pop into the head no matter what okay well, uh, let's not forget another great Shawn Michaels WrestleMania moment. Uh, him standing in the corner getting ready to deliver Sweet Chin music to Ric Flair. Don't do it. Oh, that what was that? That, that no, nope, nope, that, that barely missed months. it. That missed it by a year. Oh, two God. years prior, that was two thousand eight. I believe. No, that was two thousand nine, wasn't it? Or was it two thousand eight? Nine was WrestleMania twenty five. So it would have been uh, the year to the year before that, I believe. And. Uh, if only that I can last. I'll, I'll count it, Bubs, because you know I'm a big fan. Yes, of the let's match. extend the let's <laughs> extend the decade a bit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, what a shame, Bubs. We're getting old. No, I know. Like I I'm thinking that that was like six it's, years. <laughs> it's not. That was uh, literally eleven or twelve years. Ago. I know. Okay, you're right. All right, so I'll go with my next one instead, which was uh, the Royal Rumble. To me, the the best uh, the, the best wrestler kind of intro appearance mm-hmm. uh, since Chris Jericho was AJ Styles. Okay, it meant a lot, and it was big, it, and it still means a lot. They timed him at number three, which was perfect. Yes, and they they had Roman Reigns just Roman in the ring in the ring. Boy, what a time, huh? Ah, what a time to be alive. Honestly. So I'm going to, uh, with my with my next one, because I'll, I'll close out on a positive note, but the one that okay. I can't, I can never help but think of, and we've talked about this several times, in fact, uh, even maybe recently, I think, because you, you're the only ones I would have talked about it with, but 2011 Victory Road. Oh, uh, this is a bad one. This is a bad one. I thought you yeah. said you were going to leave on a positive note. I will. I have one more after this. Okay, you're right. Four. So 2011 Victory Road was Awful. was TNA that. World Heavyweight Champion Sting defending against number one contender Jeff Hardy, right. who was out of his mind blitzed. And we've talked about this before. We have. And I, no matter when I see Jeff, even though he's recovered kind of, well, not consistently, he has returned because yeah. I, let, I let off with him, but he's you know, <laughs> since done some bad things. Um, when I think of him... I can't help but get Victory Road out of my mind because you're in the ring with TNA at the with time. With the icon. With the icon, right? A top 10 in most people's list of greatest ever. Going for the TNA world title and you're, you're Jeff Hardy. You're just blitzed you're, out of your... You're Jeff Hardy-ing it, if you will. Yeah, right. And I can't get it out of my head and that's, that's something I'll never forget about the decade, Bubs. 2011, Victory Road. That is... Oh, that's an awful... Memory to have. I hate it. I'm sorry. It's and you know, and I get it. And that was an awful 
awful thing that happened, an awful experience that we all had to go through yeah. to see one of our favorite guys that we, we've spent years and decades, you know, following and being, he, he was one of my favorites of all time. And to see that happen was, was, was so sad. And, yeah. uh, but I, I want to, you know, change, you know, change the mood a little bit. Something, it, it's not, I mean, it was, I don't know how to explain this. It was sad, but it wasn't sad in, like, the, the Jeff Hardy way. It was sad because we were having to see one of our favorite guys step away. And that was when Edge retired Bubs. That was a moment that made a lot of grown men. It, it, it's funny because you have that meme where it's like, oh, you never know what it's... You, you, never, you didn't cry during this movie. You have no soul yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you have a picture of, or you don't know what it's like to, to be sad. And then picture it's, of Edge in the ring. Yes, retiring. Uh, I I legit teared up, Bubs. It was a, it was a sad moment for me because he was an all timer for me. Yep. You have to live with that now. But hopefully, Bubs, we get a. There's rumors of a pop coming our way. Really want to, I want him to just be retired. I want my no. favorite guys to just be retired. Don't but like I'll, it. I'll get to end on one positive for me because I can't. I can never forget it because I got to see it and feel the moment because I was uh, there. But two thousand man jumping out. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> not that specifically. But it was at WrestleMania okay. thirty-two, and it was The Rock's entrance because he's my guy, and he even got a victory over uh, Rowan in the in, in the WrestleMania. So The Rock entering and blowing up the crowd and cutting a promo and doing all those things and putting Bray Wyatt over to the fucking moon. Well, in a way, but then he just crushed the Wyatt family. Yeah, right. It was expected to happen because Cena came out to help him as well. But I will right. never forget being able to see and feel what it felt like to, to be around a Rock entrance with 105,000 people around me as he'd made his entrance, Bubs. I, I can imagine that that was... Excuse me, that was a big deal. Um, anytime The Rock comes out, it's big time. Because he's The Rock. He's I mean, he is the people's champ. My champ. Everyone, he is your champ. You love The Rock, as you should. Because he's had a tremendous career, and he is a tremendous performer. But at this point, I am tired, kind of tired of seeing him on my TV screen. But, Bubs, my all-time moment of the decade, I think you can already guess yeah, what, I know it, what is. it is. I do. Uh, it's WrestleMania 30, and Daniel Bryan pulling double duty and winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So the moment specifically would, would be when Batista taps then? When Batista taps, yes. Because I was sitting on my chair yelling at the TV for him to tap. Tap Batista. So it was my fault. Don't worry. Tap Batista. Uh, but also just the fan reaction to it. Because, like I said earlier, no other wrestler since Stone Cold got bigger face pops and reactions than Daniel Bryan. So to me, that was my biggest defining moment of the decade. All right. Well, I don't hate it, Bubs. And, you know, actually, it's about time for us to start plugging something that we haven't been able to plug yet, and that is officially that April 4th, you and I 
are going to be deep in the heart of Tampa, Bay, oh, Florida. Doing what? Uh, well, we're going to be doing a lot of WrestleMania weekend. So for those of you that are listening, for those of you that will be hanging out, for those of you that may be from Tampa, your boys are coming into town for WrestleMania and possibly NXT on Saturday the 4th and Sunday the 5th to hang out at WrestleMania yes. 36. So, God. get excited. We're going to start plugging it because I'm fucking stoked because shit is going down. Someone's got to be. Yeah, I'll do it for you since you're not. That's so good. I'll just run this angle by myself, but I had to put that out there. So if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter because I want to talk to you. I want to link up with a bunch of wrestling fans who have already said they're going, who I've asked, who said that they want to hang out and do wrestling-related things. So we'll start planning some things. What, what wrestling-related things do they want to do? There seems to be a lot of conventions and or other meeting reads okay. and or other watch parties of older stuff that are going down in the okay. Tampa greater area. So, Bubs, we may be Do any of them have a place for us to stay? That do. <laughs> can can yeah, we live with you for two nights? Cut costs. <laughs> anyway, Bubs, good show. I'm ready to cut it off here unless you got something else okay. to plug. This has been a no, good episode. It's been a good episode. It's been a good decade. A lot of great things have happened. There's things we still haven't even gotten into uh, for the decade that I, I wish we had more time for, but... Wrestling's not going anywhere, and we're going to get to do this all over again. And I want to thank all of you for joining us once again for the Power and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. I have been Kenny Oak. He has been Chris Harris. And together, we want to thank you for joining us, being a part of this crew, being a part of this team, helping us grow the show. Because the only way we could grow the show is together with you, the audience who downloads and listens and tells their friends about this show. And together, we're going to make wrestling great again in 2020. Thank you, guys. See you next time. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. And we do want to thank the guys from Powerslam TV for supporting the show. And we want to pass on to you guys, our listeners, the ability to go check out Powerslam TV and all of the content that they have on there. You heard well over 4,000 hours. It's very true with a lot of different promotions from all around the world, a lot of good stuff, a lot of classic stuff that goes back even years, decades really at this point. So go to powerslam.tv, sign up, use our code collar elbow free. That's collar elbow free. Use that. You're going to get a free month on that code. There's no hassles there. It's not, it's not a gimmick that they're pulling over on anybody. You can cancel that at any time. Check it out. Hopefully you'll like it. I've liked it. I'm supporting it. I recommend it. Go check it out.